Hello and welcome to The Art of Self-Belief, the podcast series shining a spotlight on women in leadership roles and women who are making an impact on the world of tech and business, on tackling diversity in the workplace, of course, The Art of Self-Belief. I'm your host, Estella Edwards, an award-winning changemaker, leadership coach, and trainer. Over the past three decades of working across all three sectors, I discovered my calling, a passion for supporting young people and women in leadership to succeed and reach their fullest potential. But this podcast is not about me. In each episode, I have honest conversations with women at the helm of industry. Women of colour who occupy a historic seat at the top and change makers from across all sectors who are paving new ways to make workplaces inclusive. Whether you're seeking fresh perspective, relatable role models or guidance in how you can ramp up your career, confidence, regardless of your background, The Art of Self-Belief is going to open your mind and your heart to what is possible. I'm your host, Estella Edwards, and joined today is the inspirational Oyin. And I'm just going to give a little bit of a preamble that this show is about are sharing inside information, inspiration, and imparting our wisdom. Our first series is about women of colour. And we're speaking to women who are in, who are from different generations. And I'm really inspired to speak to you as you're in your 20s. Yes, thank you so much for having me. So, Oyin, for those who don't know you and how amazing you are, could you please tell us who you are yeah. and, and just why you're here? <laughs> um, okay, so, so hi everyone, good, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you're listening from. My name is Oyin Kosala Debayo, but most people call me Oyin. <laughs> Um, who I am, um, I like to say that I am someone who is really passionate about making impacts in this world whilst I'm here. Um, and I really, really understand that I need to make that impact in a way that's sustainable beyond my years and also make that impact in a way that actually innovates the way our world works and also actually makes change. Um, so that's who I am in terms of what I do. So it's, it's very, very different from who I am. So how that actually kind of actualizes itself is that, you know, um, I am an accidental um, entrepreneur um, who um, is really, really passionate about um, social impact and economic empowerment for Black women specifically. I want to see a world where Black women are producers of high impact ecosystems. So what does that look like? Um, I want to see Black women building, you know, the next... Um, Teslas, building the next Apples, building the next Amazons. Um, and also for us at Neo, which is my company, um, to also be kind of 
one of those kind of major players who are building products that change the face of culture. Um, a lot of this kind of like um, insight has come from, because um, I'm a Christian, so a lot of that insight has come from my study of, of the Bible and um, looking at how, you know, um, there's two characters in the Bible called Bezalel and Oholiab um, who built the temple and actually they were told that they were meant to be people who had wisdom, knowledge, understanding to be able to build things that actually changed the face of culture. So that's that's a little bit about me. Um, yeah. that that That's really powerful. So you talk about, um, this is anecdotal. Yeah. And uh, maybe for our listeners, cool. I think that uh, through my research about you, what was really um, inspirational was your aspiration from the age of eight years old yeah. and how you, you you seen life. Yeah. And I wonder if you could, with a little kind of historic timeline, cool. kind of give us that insight and for our viewers who may not yet be as leading edge with their thinking, <laughs> yeah. understand what were some of those steps that you've taken as someone Lovely. in their 20s? Lovely. Thank you so much, Estella. Um, immediately as I walked in the room, she said, the word from Estella is the, it's leading edge. And <laughs> I was thinking, what a prophet. <laughs> um, and so, but okay. So in terms of like my journey, I think that um, one of the things that I don't feel like a lot of entrepreneurs speak about is the impact of society parents and also your community about how and actually how it shapes you and I would say that my community my parents um and my belief system has shaped me to be where I am today um so just on Estella's point um this is kind of like what I always speak about from the age of eight I the idea of Neo which is an ecosystem a group of brands that exists to um build products that black women are producers of um, what are some of those products look like? Oh, awesome. Great. So um, we've got various brands at the moment. So we've got Neo Network. Neo Network is the training ground for, for the whole of the Neo ecosystem where we get black women to be upskilled in tech and for them to be able to become software engineers, people in VR, people in AR, um, and actually people who are building... Um, our Forgive me, people in VR, AR, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> so VR means virtual reality. Okay. AR means augmented reality. Um, so VR is, um, if you know much about the metaverse, um, I it's, do. It's 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 about actually like how do we create a world, a virtual world, um, and AI is actually like you know if you see your Instagram filters, a lot of that is actually created from augmented reality. Um, so yes, um, so yeah, like Neo Network is that training ground to get as many black women into tech as possible. So what do you do, and how did you? then get to those steps of yeah. that business then. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, obviously Neo Network is one of the different brands, um, um, but we've got like two other brands. One is Neo Hair and Beauty, which is an e-commerce platform for um, healthy hair. And then the DAP, a Neo DAP, which is an app um, that focuses on rewarding creators for their creation. So you would no longer have to like upload your picture on Instagram and just hope that you get likes. Actually, you're going to get rewarded in crypto through our app. Um, and your, your users will be able to get the physical products that they see on your 
on your um, post. Now, what do I do? Just to answer your question. Um, what we do is that we look at any black woman who is ambitious, but seems to have barriers facing them. And I'm one of those people. I was one of those people who have been ambitious, but I've had a lot of barriers. And we actually get them and we upskill them. We actually train them. So what are some of the barriers yeah. that black women have that you said, so what was your experience? Because obviously you've turned it around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, it's interesting because like, you know, um, naively from the age of eight, I enjoyed life. Just went to school, did my best. Obviously, as a young person, you suffer with like nervous breakdowns sometimes and anxiety here and there. It's part of growing up. Um, but um, I remember moving from Nigeria to the UK at the age of 12, um, coming from a relatively middle-class background in Nigeria and I'd gone to a really quite prestigious school and then moving here. And then I'm, I'm put, um, I literally get thrown down at um, the, um, a different side of the coin um, and went to like probably one of worst schools in, the, in Birmingham <laughs> um you know like I saw poverty you know for the first time um and what, what I had was I couldn't get to where I wanted to get to because we had a lot of barriers that was essentially anchored and caused by immigration challenges that my parents faced okay um on top of that um the fact that we live in a different system and a different community actually caused a lot of barriers. And I, what I found was there was a lot of racism. I remember my first move to the UK, when people told people said to me, oh, you're black. I found that super weird because I've never identified as, as black. I was like, I'm Nigerian. What do you mean I'm black? <laughs> I never even identified myself as African. Okay. And I had a lot of racism from my, my peers at school at the age of 12, 13. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really not cool to be intelligent back then. So you just so just to unpick yeah. that then so that obviously so when you arrived in the UK that you were of you said middle class in Nigeria so yeah. that you were obviously educated yeah. so the different side of the coin was that where you were socialized here and linking in with what you said earlier it was a very different kind of community yeah. and then the fact that the school that you went to that whilst you were quite bright but then this is some of the experiences first in terms of immigration mm. and then in terms of the perceptions by your peers mm. and all of that. What did that do for your self-image? Um, I was, I've always been quite a strong girl. I think my dad, my, my parents, not just my dad, but my parents have always instilled this kind of like crazy self-belief in me. Um, they, they knew that I was this like rare child who was book smart, but they always used to say, you need to be street smart. I was really confused about what they meant by you need to be street smart when I was in Nigeria. Because for all I knew, I never, I didn't walk more than three kilometers. Like, I, I didn't walk to many places. So, so when he said, so why didn't you walk just for... Uh, oh, but I, I mean, like, in <laughs> in Nigeria, you just don't walk to many... Okay, no, you, yes, you do. Um, For me... My parents just, I think I think it was more of a safety thing. Okay, okay. A lot of people you. just didn't, don't walk for long distances. I think here in the UK, walking for an hour is probably all right. Like walking for 30 minutes is all right. Like in Nigeria, like 15 minute walk tops, basically. If you're walking for an hour, you're walking for exercise purposes, not because not because you're trying to get to anywhere. So Okay, thank you. Um, so when my dad used to say, be street smart, I just didn't understand what he meant. 
um, for for some reason, by the time I got to this country, being street smart made sense to me. Um, as so what does it mean? What what it means to me is being able to um, understand how to navigate society, um, even if society does not accept you. Um, so when people said you're black, I said no, I'm Nigerian. When people said, you know, people say like my my, my page used to be like, oh, you know, um, do you have huts in Nigeria? And I never seen huts because that, that just wasn't my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was very kind of really quite strong and opinionated. I actually did a podcast with my old school, the school I came to, I first came to when I came. Um, and my teacher, my performing arts teacher, has always said, well, you, know, you were one of those kids that was just very opinionated and always stood your ground, but you were very different. You stuck, up, stuck out like a sore thumb. Um, probably stuck out like a, like a sore thumb because I was probably one of the few black girls in the school, but, you know. <laughs> so what did you think that she was meaning or even though in her coin of phrase, yeah. what do, or was that meant to be an acknowledgement of your brightness? I, I think it was more of my brightness and my the power that I had the internal power that I always had, you know, like, I remember at school, I would get lots of awards and I would be featured on a newspaper. Um, and like, I would walk to the stage being proud. But in, in that school, that was not such, that was not a cool thing to do <laughs> for some reason um, for amongst the kids, right? Um, but I was like, this is an awesome achievement. And I knew that that time of my life was I was just passing by. Mm-hmm. I needed to pass by because I had a dream ahead of me and that dream I was going to pursue. And I didn't have the clear, I didn't know that that dream was going to be Neo. I, I had no clue about Neo back then, but I just knew that there was something that I was born to this earth for that I needed to achieve. I needed to see a change in my world for some reason. Um, I was really angry about the disparities that I saw in the world. I was really upset about it. And I wanted to channel my upset into something productive. I just knew that, you know what, I'm, I'm passing by. You guys are going to, you guys are going to respect me later on and it's, it's happening. So, yeah. So you taught earlier and I will pick up that you said, oh, as part of growing and you kind of, you mentioned kind of nervous breakdown and, um, and you, you, you touched on it. I'm, I'm coming back to the, the self belief. So, was there a time where you got where you had poor well being, poor um, mental well being? Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. And so, even though um, Oyin, that w- when you talked about, you know, people say, oh, that, that you were black, etc. But you know, when you talk about this, the power within. Tell tell us more about that. Um, when I was a lot younger. Um, I think that, like, I mean, I feel like this moment right now is actually making me connect a puzzle. I know it's weird. That's nice, <laughs> amazing. Um, when I was a lot, when I was a lot younger, um, I was, I was, I, I've never said this on a podcast. I don't know why I'm saying it, but I'm going to say it anyway. When I was a lot younger, I was abused, um, sexually abused by multiple men like multiple, um, and they would not know, but they were all, like a lot of them were brothers. But it was interesting how like I was abused from the age of four all the way to the age of 12 by multiple men. And, I, I, and it affected me, but I didn't realise it because I didn't face it, right? Couldn't talk to anybody about it. Um, so 
so the reason why I said this is helping me connect to puzzle because I when people ask me that question of why were you why did you have anxiety problems or nervous breakdowns when you were younger, um, I, I just couldn't answer the question. But I feel like actually now I'm like actually yes, that's probably one of the reasons. Right. Um, so one of those. So that's 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 you know one of the first things I would definitely say that played a part. But I didn't realize it because you don't face it. I mean, I didn't speak to anybody about it. I didn't speak to my parents about it until I was like a lot older. Um, another thing is always, what is something that um, inordinate affection does to you or like abuse does to you and how it affects how you see yourself? Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's, it's almost very spiritual. Like if someone continually abuses you, it adds an environment around you and it adds an atmosphere around you that you cannot just shift. <laughs> it's difficult to shift. Uh, and for me, how I was able to shift out of that was through prayer and also also actually coming to terms that this actually happened and this is actually how it affected me. Um, that's I'll, I'll say that's, the, that's kind of like the, um, the first thing. I think also the change of environments, mm. massive change of environments really... Bugged me. I was just getting into terms with settling in. I, I had various change of environments. Okay. My parents um, weren't like silver spoon people. Um, my granddad from my dad's side had lots of assets, but for some reason was money poor. Like okay. Didn't have much money for some reason. I find that really weird now as like where, where I am as a businesswoman, right? Um, but also... Um, my granddad from my mom's side, again, was like, you know, had money, but he didn't transfer that down for some reason. Um, and so my dad walked to school with no shoes on. Mm-hmm. He fended for himself to, through university. And so my dad was always about making sure that we were the most educated that we could be. And we had all the tools and the networks and the resources to be able to get to where we needed to get to. So, so automatically, you are going to change environments. Yes. <laughs> As you navigate that. So coming from, you know, lived in Lagos, Nigeria, um, and coming from like a relative and middle-class space, that was one environment. And that was okay. That was my community. Then, I'm, you know, it's now time to go to secondary school. And secondary school, I've done lots of exams with the aim of getting to the elite schools. And I got I got into one of the top, top three schools, right. elite schools, elite boarding schools in Nigeria. Change of environment. Mm-hmm. Everybody... People don't speak like me, you know, um, because I just, like, I, I came from a different community. Right. <laughs> um, everyone is like, their parents are like, you know, um, like multi, multi-magnates. Um, you know, Mo Abadu's daughter, Mo Abadu is like, you know, <laughs> the media mogul of Africa. Her daughter went to my school. Like, these different things. So you're like, in this new environment, you're like, oh, okay, how do I adjust to this? And then suddenly... That's literally from an age of nine to, to, to 12, by the way, I was in the secondary school. From 12, now having to move to a, a completely different culture, that has something and that does something to your, to your, to your anxiety. And although I appeared strong and I still do t- t- today, like I probably still had a lot of internal things that really affected me. Um, but I, I powered through. Um, I, for my A-levels, I am... Um, I did five AS levels, but I got a U in, in I got a U in maths. Um, although that was like one of the like my my old school was like you know, this is a math champion, 
But I also, <laughs> it, I found really weird. And I think I, I link it well with the anxiety challenges that I had. Got a U in maths, but also um, in further maths, I got a C or a B, I think. I can't remember. Um, but then I also came third in the UK maths, maths challenge across the country. Right. Paradox. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I feel like a lot of that was to do with how my well-being was um, because it was quite unstable. On top of that, going through immigration challenges, having to go to court multiple times. Um, and so, yeah. so well, you have been through a lot and, and thank you um, f- for sharing. And so what then did you actually then do you know, so looking at Oyin now, if you're reflecting back, for the women that's hearing this now, and like you said, kind of appeared strong and, and maybe there was no one else to talk to or that you felt safe with, um, I guess what you linked in earlier on how we are socialised, because I absolutely agree with you, in terms of a paradigm, what's a paradigm? It's beliefs. So that belief is your socialization at school, your socialization, whether that's with family, networks, and all of that. And if you are all the same, it's therefore not diverse. Mm. So hearing all of that then, Oyin, so fast forward and bringing it to today. So for some of those barriers then that you faced or that you've seen other black women face, Kind of what would the key areas of those be? And Okay. Um, black women and also women of colour. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we've had diff- we have different barriers. I don't want to say that. An Asian woman's barrier is the same as a black woman's barrier because we have various different barriers. Some of them might be synonymous, but, but it's different. But what I've seen mm-hmm. is that confidence piece. Okay. We can appear strong. I mean, I mean, in Neo Network, one of our brands, we have trained over 310 black women since 2020 to Yay. get into tech, right? But what I find super, super interesting is you can give these ladies all of the training, the tech training, the soft skills, but now let's face your future. Let's face your dream now. <laughs> um and what hits us in the face is imposter syndrome and confidence issues. Oh, let's work with that. You heard us. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm going there with that. So in terms of the imposter syndrome, so what is it for our audience? Okay, so the literal meaning of imposter syndrome is the syndrome of feeling like an imposter. What is an imposter? An imposter is feeling like you're actually like an anomaly. You're not meant to be in that room. Thinking, Just think about it like, We've got this beautiful white room. Just imagine a random bear, you know. That's the feeling of an imposter. You feel like, actually, I'm not meant to be in this room. Um, and so that is that is what imposter syndrome is. There's also, so, okay, so there's also the aspect of where people feel, or like you say, you, you said confidence, but they feel as though, well, actually, because I was speaking to one of the women and, been offered a global award and she's thinking me but actually when you're hearing the story and the impact so so what you're talking about what you offer in terms of upskilling and this imposter syndrome yeah 
let's face the future. Mm. So how is this playing out for the women then? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, it's in, What I find super interesting is these women were not forced to, to apply to our boot camp. They saw the opportunity and they saw the dream. So what is the boot camp <laughs> then? Let's understand okay. what is this dream. Okay. So one of the boot... So, um, we run various boot camps and they are tech boot camps. It's normally between 16 to 30 weeks um, um, for them to kind of like come come in and then get technical training. So if you have no tech skill whatsoever and you want to change your career or you want to become a founder in the tech space, we would help you to do that. Like we would literally, you would be able to code. <laughs> you would be able to become a data analyst. You would be able to become a, a woman in, in VR and AR and and. Lots of other tech stuff. I don't want to bore people with tech, tech lingua. Um, that is a dream. Um, so people come, they train between 16 to 30 weeks. We now have eight-week options as well. Um, they get the skill. They build a killer app. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's time to accept that offer from a big four company. And... Some people come to me and say, I don't think I'm ready. What do you mean? A big four has just told you that you have been accepted to become a software engineer. And you say, I don't think I'm ready. Um, that is what, that's what we're facing. And aside from that, it's like, I don't think I'm qualified to be in the room. I don't think I'm qualified to, to um, work as a software engineer. Um, so it's the shock. You know, you go through that 30-week journey and you think, oh yeah, I'm going through this 30-week journey to then become what I say I want to become. But then you, you get there and you're like, no. <laughs> Do you, so looking at the, um, or the, the statistics that, that you shared, mm-hmm. um, and maybe just for our audience, if we're speaking about women then, um, particularly black women in, in, in the tech space, so what was the percentage of women in that space? Was it 1% that you said? 1% of the tech industry is made up of black women. Right, okay. So that was kind of your, that, that is your kind of vehicle where you want to impact in that space. And so the key, so when we're talking about this confidence and the imposter, so this is all aligns in with uh, belief then and the the self concept and being able to to implement mm. so in terms of so so that's come up then mm. so what things are you now doing with those women or who else are you connecting in with yeah um and and secondly i certainly see even the fact that you are now a part of our sisterhood platform again with women now with coming from different eras with different experiences and lived experiences because there's no I guess there's no issue that someone has an experience and I guess it's about being able to to talk that through mm. and and also employers as well mm. so it's not just about okay will work with you, but what do you see as some of the tangible solutions? Absolutely. Um, We're in the game of transforming the lives of black women to become builders. That's the game that we're playing. Um, Now, I think 
just to answer your question about what are the solutions, mm. the solution is investment. Um, and what is that? That investment is not just money. Mm-hmm. Um, it's beyond that. Investment in time, investment in poor, like pouring yourself, pouring your wisdom, your knowledge. And also, um, and also investment in pouring your beliefs as well um, to, 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 to the woman too. Um, so, so that's kind of what I would say. I think some of the people that was, I mean, we work with various, various partners, um, Goldman Sachs, KPMG, um, we have like the top, top companies and, yeah. and also startups as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we have about 80 partners in our portfolio at the moment. Um, but one of the things that I think makes a good partner for us is the true, true investment and poor to the cause. And it's not just about the cause for charity purposes. When we think about causes, and I, sorry, I'm getting a bit annoyed now. I'm getting yeah. a bit like annoyed about this. This is something that's just been annoying me recently. Okay, let's we think about let's a work cause. Mm-hmm. And we think about a cause like it's just something that we just donate and leave. No, we. When you think about a cause, it's actually a mission. Like, you have to be able to be invested in a mission and invested in seeing it through. Um, we are just starting in terms of, like, changes this narrative and it's going to be a long game to play because, heck, like, there's been so many barriers and imagine, like, a 20-something-year-old woman or 40-something-year-old woman comes on our boot camp and suddenly we try to remove those barriers in 30 weeks that's going to be a hard shift for that black woman. So we have to have partners who are ready to play the long game with us that will transform their lives because they can build. They will build and they build really well. Um, We need to foster environment for them as well. Um, So once they move on to those organizations, what are the environments that have been fostered? So fostering, so for some of those uh, partners that I also know, what would you say, i use your question then, what does that environment look like and feel like for you then? If you were going, and, and for me, yeah. as another woman of colour. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That environment looks like an environment that realises that people are different. Um, and an environment that puts learning at the core of the culture right learning like i'm here to learn like everyone in my team so at neo we're a team of 20, 24 at the moment everyone at neo is there to learn including me i never stop learning and actually that's the, that's the secret to my success the fact that i keep learning so putting learning at the core so if you actually are open to learning you're gonna come with your hands open and say Do you know what i don't know much about you i want to learn and you ask questions. That's not okay. Brilliant. So that's so that's what. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, one. Yeah, I think another one as well is um, an environment that um, is not racist. <laughs> um, in in um, even in the slightest ways or in microaggressions, um, but but kind of like empathizes with somebody else. Um, and and kind of like says, do you know what? I don't understand. I empathize with you. Um, that's the type of environment that we want people to be in, in a welcoming environment 
where people feel loved and cared for? So I guess those firms that suggest that they've got their policies in place, that they have their training set. So what do you think that they can do? I, I guess I heard the two things, but if, say, for example, I now could go and we can have a wider conversation with some of the employers because since COVID, life has changed anyway. And so, so I'm linking this now as well with, you know, the imposter syndrome. So because if people do not necessarily see someone else who they can relate to, they may well think I'm in this white room and I'm a bear within it. So that could be an aspect, as well as when you talk about the kind of self-image, the self, the, the, the self-concept, that is now, you know, like when you talk about that internal power or leading from within in terms of the woman building themselves. So often there is two stories going on. So Bene Brown will talk about courage and fear. Mm. So what are the two stories then, Estella? So the two stories are what you want mm. and what you don't want. So when you don't want something, that there's a, a resistance. So how do we know? What is the indicator? It's our emotion because dependent on how we feel, and so, and dependent, so there's a, a physiological effect. So depending on what we think, there's a physiological effect with our body, yeah? Mm -hmm. So making all of those links then, and specifically talk about with the women, so is, is, there, is there almost like an alignment where even having a wider conversation with some of our women who have navigated their journeys, who have also said, so Oyin, for example, women who will be on our podcast, that when they wanted to talk with their college lecturer about law, um, where they were said, you're kind, uh, you should be going into nursing. Now, when you talk about socialization and self-belief, that could have held someone in, 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 in their seat with me, stay in your lane, but actually... She's now chair of the IOD, a lawyer, and here to share her story and how she navigated that. So I think there's something about what we can do ourselves mm. is to share our lived stories. And especially, remember, these are women. Mm. So there's something that we can do. And I think that there's also a conversation that we can have in terms of maybe unpicking yeah. on this is what we see a conversation about with employers mm. and understanding. Because I guess I'd always say, even in talking with you, we've learned a lot about your kind of thinking, your aspirations. Mm. What does that mean around the socialization that business don't talk about? Mm. So you're talking about them, uh, I guess it's the that intersectionality really, all the different elements in terms of race. So bringing it now to, okay, you've had impact so you, and you are having impact. 
and you've got all this insight. So for a young woman who either wants to move forward now in the tech industry um, or even to develop her business, what are some of the advice and messages that you would share? Um, I could sit here and give give you a lot of like business jargon, but I wouldn't start with that. I, I want to start with be authentically you, first of all. I mean, I only got here because I was authentically me and I followed my purpose. And I and that comes that being authentically you comes with actually knowing who you are, what you stand for, why you're here. Why on why on earth are you here, right? Um, so how would someone know that? Because I remember I was 20. I mean, that's really big. And yeah. maybe to unpick that, know who you are. Yeah, I remember when um, I first started working in, within the local community, what do I mean that? In this, this specific area where I'm working with youth and I'm, someone went, who are you? And I was like, oh, wow, because it was a different type of greeting. But what does that mean to a 20-year-old? Maybe she doesn't think like you, but has that same aspiration, what what does that mean? Or what type of practical things then? If I was 10, what does that mean? <laughs> Tell me on this. Who you are is not a destination, but um, your DNA, right? Um, for example, who I who I if who I am was just a destination, I would look the same at 10 as I as I do as I'm 20. That's nice. 20 something plus. Right. So um it's really important that it's just your DNA. It's actually what makes you tick. What makes you tick? What makes you angry? What do you want to see? What do you see? Right? You know, when you stand, what do you see? Right? Because instead of you can see you can you see something completely different from what I see. That what makes us different. And actually you express yourself in a different way than I express myself. And it's actually okay for us to have that right so um yeah it comes from your dna what actually makes you tick um and that could evolve because heck it's evolved for me so what so what made you tick okay say three mm-hmm. years ago and what makes you tick still now makes, what made me tick at three years ago is still making me tick now but it looks different so what made me tick, tick three years ago was economic empowerment for black women and i'm still on that economic empowerment for black women till today um, and why did it make, make me tick? I think I just saw poverty and I hated it. I wanted to change something. And so what about the, so does the confidence and the imposter syndrome, does that align in with a poverty mindset? Yes, absolutely. I think when you have a poverty mindset, you're, you've got a fixed mindset. So you think I'm never going to be able to do that. I'm never going to be able to, you know, um, get a, a job in a big four Um Actually, a growth mindset is, this is my current situation, but this is, I'm just passing by. It's, it's just a lesson. So for some of the women who have said uh, on your training program that, oh, I don't feel ready. So what, what happens then? Because that may be a lot of women then. <laughs> what happens then? Yeah, what happens? I mean, we like to catch it early. <laughs> so, um, so we do a lot of work to catch it early. Um, we do a lot of work on growth mindsets, um, on like in terms of mindset shifting. Um, we have something called swear words, not F, the F word, but like actually <laughs> the swear word is I can't do it. I okay. don't know how to do it. Actually, right now I'm struggling with this, but I'm going to be able to get past this. I have the goal that I'm going to be able to do this. So that way we're slowly actually teaching our mind 
to be to be more growth focused um, rather than just be fixed. Oh, so that's good. So you're using, so you're reframing mm. and what, using affirmations yeah. as well? exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> and have how have you found that for yourself personally? So where you're sitting right now, yeah. how have you found that? Um, so I don't do a lot of like the hand-holding of our women anymore because we actually have awesome teams that do that. Um, but... I still do mentor a few women who I feel called to do, called to mentor. Like, um, so um, how I found it was incredibly rewarding to see that journey of a woman just transform, her life just transforming. I mean, I, I got a message from one of the ladies yesterday um, who is now working for a robotics company um, as an AI um, engineer. Um, and she said, oh yeah, I would like my sister to come on the boot camp as well. And just to think that actually at some point this person was going to commit suicide whilst on the boot camp, you know. At the time, it was draining. At the time, it was like, oh my gosh, this is like what different people, like different people's lives are like. Yeah. Um, but it's just, the, the journey is rewarding. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, I feel honoured to be able to, to serve such an army of women. And you know, so with your women now um do they is it is it built into a network is there like an alumni or do they what does that look like so um the support mechanism yeah so the support mechanism when you come on our boot camp you obviously get trained you get support to get a job um um during a boot camp and after up to six months after um but we we're committed committed to them for life so they're now part of the alumni network where they can give back to a lot of like so we're starting to do some work with like young girls as well which is just super cool so we had a conference about three weeks ago with about 500 um, um, young people across the um, across Birmingham schools come to learn about cybersecurity. so our alumni network actually comes back to give back and mentor other people as well oh, excellent which is really super cool um, and, and just kind of share their struggles because sometimes you know they can get a mentor from Microsoft which is one of our partners Um, and it's not the same as when actually this I'm a black woman I was on this course last month last week sorry last year um, and this is where I am so you can get here but also these are the struggles I was facing and these are the struggles I'm still facing so so this goes back to the the point that when we were talking about different generations and that relatedness so you talked about having Microsoft as a partner yeah. and you're saying it's not the same, but clearly... So what 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 is it that they offer you, for example? Because yeah. I'm, I'm thinking here with you as we're having this dialogue that that's a learning, a lesson learned right there. You say, for example, Microsoft are your partners, but actually your beneficiaries, that there's a preference with your alumni... So isn't there something that Microsoft could be doing to investing in the alumni? Right. And under, come That's on now. That's a really good, good idea. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. remember, you have to have an understanding in order to be understood. Mm. So you've got to seek that. And it seems, because as we're talking now, we're getting to a point of, well, this is what your partner could do at Microsoft to actually say, because there's no point in it being um, 
whichever person it is who's modeling, because I'm calling it now and saying to you that when I've been in other agencies as well, mm-hmm. it's not that the person isn't trained theoretically, mm-hmm. but actually they may not have that same lived experience mm-hmm. or the pragmatic experience. Because even if you said to me, oh, Estella, and we wanted to have a dialogue around enterprise, because I have gone the journey of project by project through to a company that's now investment-ready, business processes, systemized, six figures. Mm. So I absolutely know when the passion and the fire when you're thinking of, when you're working in, than on the business and they're the differences. Mm. And so maybe that then, Oyin, in terms of the employers and you saying about the investment, it's more that this is the understanding, this is the relatability. So instead of your person, even if it's CSR, or still there's different way that they could plough their resource mm. to enable. Mm. Are you with me? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think we do have mentors from, from different companies at the moment, but actually it's interesting actually that investing back into the alumni and actually I'm going to take back that thought and <laughs> look at what, <laughs> what we can do about that because that's that's super cool um, because there's, there, there is more work that we can but, do. And also it's linking in with when we talk about inclusion Mm -hmm. and diversity Mm -hmm. and linking it back in with the conversation where you're talking about socialisation, well, that's the same thing Mm -hmm. in terms of when you're understanding the culture, remember we talked about paradigm, Mm -hmm. of a company, so even if they think that okay, I'm aligned with you, I'm offering, Mm. tick, tick, (laughs) but we got to go a bit deeper Mm. and look at what that impact is. Mm. So, for example, even if it was that the mentors then didn't fit Mm. or align, because remember, the most challenging thing to do is align, Mm. then either they pay your alumni (laughs) mentors to do the very same thing that they would, but that means they're also getting seasoned women mm. that are having a more diverse dialogue for mm. Microsoft. Yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Hope Microsoft are listening. <laughs> and it's just through our conversation of sharing experience. And I think sometimes it's the small yeah. steps, do you not agree, yeah. to the big change. Mm, yeah, and the transformer transformation as well yeah it's really super cool actually thank you thank you for that <laughs> <laughs> thank you. and in you you talked about um a, a, a poverty mindset and just for, for for our listeners your understanding about what you're doing in terms of the economic or you training kind of succinctly and maybe some nuggets about how you got your understanding about finance and kind of what led you there because your trajectory has always been about the book and then you're actually an implementer as well. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, 
I studied, I'm an economics by trade. Um, so I studied economics to a master's level. I'm still probably going to go back and do some sort of PhD on development studies. I don't know. We'll find out. Mm-hmm. Um, the journey of like understanding about money and economic empowerment started from a young age. I've always been my mom's accountant. <laughs> <laughs> mom's a nurse. Um, um, but she loves selling random things to her nurse friends. <laughs> and so she'd be like, so how much should we sell this for? How much should we sell, sell this kettle for? Can you calculate the profit? And so my mental maths has been really good from a young age because I just always you know, I had to do that very quick on the spot. Um, so yeah, I just had that. And I was always kind of like encouraged to save my money. Um, Neo's, Neo has not been, we've not got any investment so far. We've completely been bootstrapped and we're now a seven-figure business. So it's kind of like, you know, like I... Um, Let me just unpick that. So, (laughs) Neo hadn't had investment and your seven figures. Yeah. How did that happen? Because, like, someone would think, well, how does that happen? (laughs) Yeah, so um, it it also goes back to, like, that kind of, like, understanding of how to um, negotiate right proposals, um, have build the right relationships. So what did you actually do, though? So Um, for someone listening now and they want to... My process has been interesting. I feel like I relive my life all the time. It's weird because at the age of eight, sitting down with my dad, writing proposals for MTN, which is an um, African telecommunication company, um, you know, and being able to do that, continue to write proposals until I wrote enough proposals that would help, that would connect to another proposal. So the first proposal I wrote was probably for my university to convince them to give me a thousand pounds to start um, a 12-week um, hair braiding um, training course for a bunch of women in Nottingham. And that led to another another opportunity and another opportunity and another opportunity. But what's kept those opportunities going is those relationships. Okay. And also those proposals. Okay. <laughs> um, that I've been writing since I was eight. So, yeah. So, but then your company, so from my note... So from a company of 15 to 7, what what systems, what did you do? Did you work with anyone? How yeah. did that happen? Yeah, so um, so we, I've been like working on this as a project for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. It's only existed as a company for four years. And if I'm being honest, mm-hmm. only been sustainable for the last two years. Okay. Two and a half years. Um, because... I was very much about the mission for the last 10 years. Um, and I almost didn't think money was important until I got a business coach, Daniela Genus, who was like, your money is important. Danielle Genus. Okay. <laughs> Daniela Genus. That's a real big point there about the amount of women who are in enterprises and they focus on the mission. And I think it was really helpful. Thank you to, to be honest about it's two years since it's become sustainable and then since working with your business coach. So what did what were the key messages that one that you took away from your business coach? Mm. Because then you've implemented that as well. Mm. And that in in itself is a victory. But for other women hearing it, because a lot of women will work on the mission mm. and not think of the money. Mm. But our men will. <laughs> so what what did you take away from your coach? <clears throat> 
I met Daniela Genius in 2019. Yeah. 2019. Two and a bit years. Um, 2019, well, 2019 or 2020, I can't remember. I think it was 2019. Yeah, 2019. Um, and I was really looking for a mentor and a coach. I just had it in my spirit that I needed that. that. And then she um, told me her story. Mm-hmm. She said, I built a social enterprise. It failed. I was really focused about like impacts and young people and getting young people economically empowered. I was like, oh my gosh, you walked my journey. Yes. I need to learn from you. Um, and she just, I started learning from her. She taught me about systems and processes, putting everything in systemized. Um, because as you grow, if you don't systemize anything, you're going to fall as quickly as you grew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then she taught me the importance of money. Like, if you don't have money, you can't make impacts. You can dream, but you will not be able to make the impact that you want to make. Like, think about it. Um Right now, I have a dream that mm-hmm. I want to be able to upskill 100,000 women um, by the end of the year. That's a dream, by the way. It doesn't mean it's going to happen, but mm-hmm. I hope it would. If I don't have the money to do that, I'm not going to be able to pay for the resources, both human and physical, mm-hmm. to be able to make that dream happen. So yeah, that's what I learned um, very quickly. And it took time to really actualize that. And now, um, I am... we. When I was mapping out the business idea, I knew that I wanted to have a quadruple bottom line of people, profit, planet, and purpose. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what that really meant. Okay. Until like I was then introduced to it, really. Um, so I'm not going to compromise on profit just because of, you know, people. I'm not going to compromise on people just because of profit. It is possible mm-hmm. to have that quadruple bottom line. And that's how we operate. So Danielle Jeunesse was able to work with you around business processes and systems. So for our listeners hearing our amazing oying, so whilst the company was in the making 10 years and there's a clear clear learning around the mission and not the regard for maybe they call it the bottom line, Mm. But actually, the last two years, so there's something about having coach. Mm. There's something about being able to learn from others. Mm. We've also talked about how we can align in with those major firms as well. Mm-hmm. Oyin, is there any other closing words that you would want to say to a, a young person or any woman out there about you? or anything we've discussed today. Oh, no. Um, thank you so much for having me. It's honestly an honour. Um, my advice to young people listening, young women listening, just believe in yourself. Go on that journey. It looks messy. It is messy. Go on the journey. Um, actually, if you're listening, I don't know when it's going to air, but if you're listening um, and you want to find out more about the work that I do... Mm-hmm. Um, you can add me on LinkedIn. So I'm Oyin Kosala de Bayo. So it's O-Y-I-N-K-A-N-S-O-L-A. You would find me um, using that. Um, also, um, if you want to find out more about the work that Neo Network does and on our other brands, you go on neonetwork.com and you can join the Neo Nation um, by joining our community. We literally have so many opportunities. We're forever getting, like, getting people to fly across the world um, to go to different hackathons. And um, 
And a lot of our people that flew around the world have actually been like recognized by like major blockchain companies and have won lots of prizes. So come on board and with that. And we are currently rebranding to Neo from Neo Enterprise to Neo Group. So um, just go on neo.co um, and you'll be able to see all of our different brands. I mean, thank you very much. Um, you. For anyone um, listening uh, to this particular podcast and they want to share any views in, but also know that at Estella Edwards, that we're always here to uh, support. And certainly with the stories that we talk about, our lived experience and navigating our careers, that this is what we want to share and inspire, a very inspirational story. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Estella. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for this episode. And thank you so much for listening. I hope you found this episode inspiring. So please do follow, download and review this podcast which helps us to expand our reach. I would love you to help us to reach more listeners by taking a screenshot and tagging us on your socials. And you can find links to all my social media in the show notes. Until next time, when I'll be joined by another incredible guest, take care until we connect again. And most importantly, take action.